Chicas, live and underway here on ESPN Plus, and for the first time ever on ESPN Caribbean. Alongside longtime U.S. international Hercules Gomez, I'm Sebastian Salazar. Her, great to be with you on this, the night of our senior international debut. How about that? That's right. Historic night here at Football Americas. Welcome to the Caribbean, my friends. You're in store for a treat. Absolutely. All right. So lots to get to on this edition of the show episode, as we said, three hundred and five. We are going to be talking for our friends in the Caribbean about uh, Jamaica and their advancing past Canada in just a little bit. We're talking about some CONCACAF abroad as well. Big weekend over in Europe. Of course, we got the MLS playoffs going on too. Herc, we now have our conference finals set. And for those of you that uh, may want to listen to this show, always a good chance to remind you, you can download the podcast over at ESPN.com or wherever. You get your pods. Let's start this episode of Football Americas, Herc, shall we, though, with a look back at the international window that was. I know it was six days ago, but we haven't been together uh, since the crazy second leg between Mexico and Honduras. That's right. Our Thanksgiving special, it was taped. It was 0-0 late in the first half when Luis Chavez makes it 2-1 on aggregate with this set-piece golazo. Yeah, Enrique Benjivar's going to want that one back. Uh, a little not positioned great. And then there's a chance right here for Honduras. Oh, and Malagón. Johnny Big save. Big save. Luis Angel Malagón there to deny Choco Lozano. Again, had Mexico conceded there, they would have needed four. Remember, Honduras are winning 2-0 in the first leg. Late chance here for Mexico. Julian Quinones, Herc, how didn't that go in? One of many chances for Julian Quinones, uh, many chances for Mexico. 38 shots against Honduras for Mexico. So Mexico then in desperation mode. Bit of a reprieve. Nine minutes of stoppage time added. And in the 11th minute of stoppage time, Mexico finally gets their goal. Edson Alvarez of all people, Hart. Yeah, look at the assist, if you will, from Santi Jimenez. He knows zero about that. Edson Alvarez at the death. It seems unfair, but we're going to penalty kicks. We are after a scoreless extra time period. Santiago Jimenez, <laughs> the first to take it, and he smashes home, no doubt about that. Now, after Malagón had made a save from Brian Roches, Gino Huerta steps up. He shot save, but wait, Herc, wait just a second. Manjivar, the Honduran goalie off his line. Second chance. Manjivar does it again, Herc. Yeah, but he's off his line again. Stay on your line, my man. Third time's a charm. La tercera, oh. la vencida. It wasn't all that uh, confident, but it gets across the line. Big conversion there for Mexico. Andy Nahar needs to make it here to keep Honduras alive. And he misses. So Mexico wins in a penalty shootout 4-2 after the 2-2 draw on aggregate. El 3 through to the CONCACAF Nations League semifinals. And of course, Herc, they get the very valuable ticket to next summer's Copa I know America. you were hurting with that Andy uh, Nahar miss penalty kick. You're a huge Mexico fan, and Andy Nahar is like one of your childhood idols, so seeing him miss must have been something for you. Absolutely. I was uh, covering DC United when he launched his career. One of my favorite players to ever wear the black and red. Definitely uh, hate to see his penalty miss. The reason there that uh, Honduras lose is here. But uh, Herc, from a Mexico perspective, there was, there was controversy. Uh, there was chaos. What do we think of how the three advanced? All right, let, let's just get past the elephant, elephant in the room right now, right? Um, mm -hmm. There's massive controversy in Honduras with the Honduran press, with Honduran fans, with the Honduran national team coach. The players, they feel very hard done. I could understand the feeling that they have. Nine minutes of extra time. Extra time today mm -hmm. in world football is a joke. I don't care what part of the world you're in. It's gotten crazy. It is stupid. It is ridiculous. It is an absolute joke. The goal comes in the 11th minute. Two minutes past extra time or the stoppage time the allotted stoppage time 
Throughout this whole game, Honduras never really threatened, never really wanted to play. They were trying to defend. They were trying to bend but not break. And yes, Enrique Mengibar, every once in a while, would go down. Actually, a lot of times the goalkeeper from Honduras mm -hmm. would go down. It'd be a lot of play acting, a lot of more time wasting. There was a play where he went down in stoppage time. About two minutes were taken off, and the referee, you could see him saying, I'm going to add that. And then, well, uh, Reynaldo Rueda, the Honduran uh, coach, decided to make a substitution late in that stoppage time, which also added another minute. I can feel their pain. Very hard done. Two penalty kicks. Chino Huerta takes the third. He blocks mm -hmm. two of them. I can feel their pain. The correct calls were made. The only thing that wasn't correct throughout this whole mm -hmm. game, made for Honduras to complain about, and they rightfully can, is the homophobic chant and the lack of a protocol. That could have been played in, in, uh, in or against Mexico, the Mexican national team. You can complain about that, absolutely. The idiots yelling in the stands, the homophobic chant, absolutely. But everything else... It's you not coming out to play. It's you not doing mm. what you did best in the first leg. I mentioned the amount of shots that Mexico had. 38 shots to Honduras is three. Out of those three shots, two, two clear-cut opportunities for Honduras. Honduras scores one goal. It forces Mexico to score four goals. When they wanted to try and threaten, they actually looked like they could threat. Mm. On Luis Palmas, on Luis Palmas' worst day, they still could have scored a goal in this game. Choco Lozano seemed to be the only, only threat that Honduras had going forward. And they never made Mexico play. What they did right in the first leg, they didn't even try to do in the second leg. They have nobody to blame but themselves. Mm. Yeah, I find the Honduran complaints to be quite weak, especially since this isn't something new, right? We've seen this from basically the last World Cup where you get stoppage time that is of plus nine minutes, plus eight minutes. That's that's the regular, that's the norm now. So I don't think anybody uh, from Honduras can un honestly complain. And I don't know if you saw this from our colleagues down uh, at ESPN in Mexico. They actually made a full screen graphic up, chalking up every bit of Honduran wasted time and added up, you know, take it with a grain of salt because of where it's coming from, but it added up to more than the nine minutes. And as you mentioned correctly, man, Hivar was down for at least two minutes in the stoppage time. So the 11 doesn't sound um, that crazy to me. As far as the Mexico performance hurt, I'm not necessarily convinced in the performance, but I do want to point out here that this is a major result for Mexico. If you go back to last Monday's show, you remember just how pessimistic I was about this second leg. I thought there was no chance for Mexico to get through, and that was going to leave you in a play-in game for a spot in Copa America. 90 minutes in Frisco, Texas against <clears throat> Costa Rica or Trinidad where anything can happen. Mexico avoids a potential catastrophe here, and I don't know that there was much of an improvement from leg one to leg two, right? The goal comes off a set piece for oh. Luis Chavez and basically desperation, desperation mode when you're throwing everybody forward late. Sam. But it is a major, major result at a moment where Mexican football needed it because we talked about what it would have meant for this team to miss out on Copa America 2024. Mexican football is one of its worst periods in its history, about three going plus years. Mm -hmm. Uh, where and nothing goes right for them. And if you want to talk right. about what went right, the Gold Cup... And they Cup, still got all the big tournaments. There you go. But you want to talk mm -hmm. about what went right in the Gold Cup? Well, it was against a it was against an opposition that wasn't a opposition mm -hmm. in terms of the U.S. men's national team who left all their stars at home and the Canadian national team who left their stars at home. Some down here, down south in Mexico, when we cover the Mexican national team, say it's, a, it's not the Gold Cup, it was a Silver Cup. That's how weakened <laughs> it was. Now, there was... 
absolutely a better performance, Seb. You can't say there wasn't. I just told you they shot 38 times. Big chances missed? Better Big than chances? the worst performance in a decade? I mean, it's not a very high bar to beat. Well, I don't think it... You know... It was pretty now, bad. It was pretty it, bad. It, it, was, one, right? it was. But nowadays, like, that seems to be the norm. You can say, well, what about this performance, you know, against Argentina in the World Cup? What about this performance? And you can go to the way they played it in Cincinnati against U.S. Men's National. What about this performance? And you can go to the way Canada played them in the Estadio Azteca in the World Cup qualifying. There are so many bad performances by the Mexican national mm. team lately. That should be worrisome. This, to me, was a sign of hope. Big chances mm. missed. Nine big chances missed for the Mexican national team. Julian Quinones comes on. Could have had a hat trick himself. Santi Jimenez comes on. Should have had something himself. Henry Martin, Henry Martin had nothing himself. I, I'm telling you, this wasn't as bad as you're making it seem, mm. but it was much needed. And I'll tell you what. I've not seen the FIFA rankings, but I guarantee you they were 12th last time. I guarantee you they're going to be worse this go-around when they come out. All right. Uh, one of the big big developments from this game has to be Luis Malagón. No, we talked about it. No Memo Cho on top of that coming into this second leg. That was a big reason for the concern for Mexico. He stepped up, not just in the penalty shootout, but we showed it in the highlight. If he doesn't make that save on Chocolasano, and there was a couple chances for Honduras in the first half as well. Um, if he doesn't keep those out, Mexico needs four. And no way, Herc. No way. I don't care where this game is being played, that this version of Mexico uh, is scoring four goals. What about Jimmy Lozano? These are his first competitive matches in charge of Mexico since taking over full time. Are we more or less convinced after these two games that he's the right guy? More about the same. I, I mean, I can't say you should be more convinced. Listen, Jimmy Lozano... You have to take him with mm. a grain of salt because of what happened. I mean, it's the players that put him in charge with the performances. It's the players who could take him out of that uh, spot with their performances as well. And what I mean by that is Diego Coca comes in after Tata Martino and immediately wasn't to the liking of the team. The players were not happy. The players uh, weren't settled with the style of play, with, with the way things were going. They forced the move. They wanted Jimmy Lozano. Jimmy Lozano comes in, not the most experienced coach in the world, sells and peddles hope, which is a good thing right now for the Mexican national team because with the Mexican fan base, there seems to be not that much hope going forward. But you pretty much got the best and the worst out of Jimmy Lozano in this series. The worst, the inexperience, the first leg, not knowing mm. what to do, how to adjust and make the changes that needed to be made uh, in Honduras to salvage a result. And the best, when Jimmy Lozano is at his best with the Mexican national team. He makes them believe, especially going forward, the way they attack, and they had plenty of opportunities to put Honduras away, and, and that they did in the second leg. I'm not more convinced, Herc. I'm not more convinced. Is, is Jimmy Lozano too passive as a manager? Like, in the first leg, we criticized him for how long he waited to get the subs in. Uh, in the second leg here, it is all or nothing. Like, there's literally nothing to lose for Mexico. I thought he would be more aggressive. I think his first sub is at like 57, 58, then he waits till 70 to make the next sub. Um, I know obviously there's there's some issues in terms of the availability of players coming off the bench, but he doesn't seem like a manager who's going to make the quick move. And we noticed that in the first leg, and even here in the second leg, um, I, I guess I just ha still have my questions about Jimmy Lozano, not just in terms of in-game management, but you talk about how good this attack looks, Hurt. I mean, now we're, we've tried different guys up front. Like, we tried Raul Jimenez. We tried Santi Jimenez, and everybody said, well, Santi's not performing with the national team. What's, what's up with Santi? Well, in this game, it was Henry Martin. Did Henry, did Henry look any better? No. Like, if, if, no, if Jimmy Lozano has those, those three options, and he can't get any of them to work, then I'm not thinking of the three options. I'm thinking of the manager. That's, that's where I'm putting the blame. Maybe, Seb. Maybe you can blame the manager, but 
Have you seen this Mexican national team play? Is it his fault that Chucky Lozano plays by himself? Is it his fault that Julian Quinones missed three sitters? Is it his fault that Santi Jimenez can't get going with the Mexican national team? I don't think it is. I think at some point you have to take a look at the talent level that's going on right now in the Mexican pool and just say it's not where it was in the well, of the national teams of past. Uh, this talent pool today, it is what it is. You have Santi Jimenez performing at the club level and everybody else is kind of just in limbo. Yep. Let's give him some credit, at least, for the changes made. He made four changes, three field players, plus Malagón from the team that lost in the first leg to Honduras. One of those changes, Luis Chavez, who, by the way, should always be starting uh, for Mexico in midfield. Let's go big picture on the Copa America next summer, now that we know that Mexico and uh, U.S. are in. So are Jamaica, by the way, who advanced past Canada uh, after winning 3-2 in the second leg in Toronto. Panama in as well. They smashed Costa Rica 6-1 on aggregate the tournament draw will be december 7th hurt and we've learned us and mexico will both be top seeds in their respective groups both uh in pot one all right what do we expect uh, more from in copa america which country united states or mexico herc what do you think uh i think you expect more from the u.s listen if, if you look at mexico's last copa america participation that mexican national team was not arguably better, just better than this Mexican national team version. And that Mexican national team made it to quarters and got outed pretty badly. 7-0 to Chile, one of the mm. worst, most embarrassing losses in the history of the Mexican national team. And you look at that U.S. men's national team who played a semifinal game against Messi's Argentina and lost, got routed 4-0, but got to the semis. Well, this U.S. men's national team is arguably better. Uh, the better player pool, uh, players are playing in, in better places, higher leagues, higher teams. Uh, they're in a better moment and just in general are not going to be playing at home again. And you would think would have a good opportunity of at least getting to the same stage they got. I just don't have any faith, if you will, mm. in, in what Mexico can provide. I'd honestly go with a Jamaica or, or Canada being better than Mexico then hmm. if I'm being honest, look what Jamaica just did. I mean, Jamaica's a team that I had a lot of trouble trusting. Um, come mm -hmm. Gold Cup, I said that that was a dark horse for me. I was a team that was going to contend with the Mexican national team and, and, and the rest, Panama and the rest, at that Gold Cup. They let me down there. But if you look at what they did against Canada, this is a team that, especially if they can defend well, in transition is absolutely scary. Mm. Damari Gray, uh, and they got Leon Bailey. Mikel Antonio could be very healthy and available by then. This is a team that could not only surprise, but do some damage in a tournament setting with the way they play. Yep. You mentioned that tournament setting, right? We know about Jamaica and the Gold Cup. They've been pretty good. They know how to, how to advance and knock out play, especially here in the United States. Jamaica will go into this tournament out of pot four, so they will get a very difficult group. Panama will go in uh, out of pot three, so maybe a little more accessible draw there for Los Canaleros out of CONCACAF. Speaking of CONCACAF, let's check in on CONCACAF in Europe with a segment of Run It Back, and we will start with the aforementioned Santiago Jimenez. Herc, a hat trick for Feyenoord over the weekend against Excelsior, the first one coming here in the sixth minute. Yeah, one of three. Uh, Santi Jimenez always the right place, right time. He's on the right foot right now with Feyenoord. He's absolutely one of the premier players in the area. Divisi. 22 years old, he keeps lighting up every single game he plays on. Doesn't matter if it's right foot, left foot, doesn't matter if it's in behind with this head. He's uh, proving that he's a complete goal scorer right now, and uh, this number just keeps going up. Here's his third goal, 82nd minute, his 16th in league play so far this season. 16 goals, three assists through 13 league games. Firenord, 4 2 winners over Excelsior. Firenord, uh, second place. 
And how about that? It's the second hat trick of the season, the fifth multi-goal game this campaign for Santiago Jimenez. With these goals, he's making history. 29 Eredivisie goals in 2023. That's the most in a calendar year in the Dutch top flight since way back in 2009 when a young Luis Suarez scored 30 goals for Ajax. Uh, Santi obviously could break his record. There's three more league games left this calendar year. Herc, it's a big name. It's an interesting stat. Is it something, nothing, or everything for Santiago Jimenez? For Santi Jimenez, it's something. And the reason I say it's something, because it's everything for the Mexican national, given its pool, but for Santi Jimenez specifically, it's something, is it's the Eredivisie today. It's not the Netherlands of old. It's not Ronaldo's Netherlands. It's not Romario's Netherlands. It's not Luis Suarez's Netherlands. Uh, I think you can see some deficiencies. It's always had its defensive deficiencies, but even more so now, you can really see the level or the drop-off between the top teams in the Eredivisie and the bottom teams. And a player like Santi Jimenez gets to feast on those type of teams. Uh, but it's something because you could parlay this into a huge transfer, a 50-plus mm. million dollar transfer to a big team. Listen, we've seen him circled or in the orbit, uh, at least his name, of massive teams like Barcelona, Real Madrid, Spurs. Uh, we've seen all types of teams with his name in or around uh, their situation. So he can parlay that into something. But it's the Eredivisie today, so I'm going to say mm -hmm. something. Yeah. I'm going to give it a little bit closer to everything, but not quite everything. I hear what you're saying about the Eredivisie, but that's, Herc, the complaint that we always hear against Santiago Jimenez. Oh, he's just doing it in the Dutch top flight. And you will bring up the long list of guys that have left that league for big money after putting up big numbers and have flopped elsewhere. But now we can look at this and say the last guy to be as productive in this league as Santiago Jimenez went on to dominate the Premier League for three years and then went on to dominate La Liga for another three or four years. So if he's on that track, Hurt, for those who think that this player might be a little bit overhyped, right? I think, I think this puts into context just how good um, his run has been. But again, but again, until he does it at the highest level, we wait and see. Champions League game coming up this week against Atletico Madrid, one of the teams, Hurt, that he's been linked That's to. Right. So good opportunity there to not just uh, boost his stock in the eyes of potential suitors, but maybe the team he will uh, end up playing for before long. All right, uh, speaking of Atletico Madrid, Antoine Griezmann uh, scored the only goal in Atleti's 1-0 win over Javier Aguirre's Mallorca on Saturday. It was hurt the 24th time in Griezmann's La Liga career where he's been the game's lone goal scorer, and that is the most ever. How about that? Passing uh, Mexico's Hugo Sanchez, who did it 23 times during his 12 seasons in Spain. Her, never a bad time to bring up Hugo. No, Hugo, and this just goes to show you how massive a career, a club career, I should say, Hugo Sanchez had. You know, in La Liga, the Penta Pichichi, five-time Golden Boot winner, winner for the La Liga. In between two legends, Antoine Griezmann, who's one of the all-time leading goal scorers in the Euros. Uh, he's going to be the all-time leading goal scorer for Atletico Madrid, World Cup winner, and Lionel Messi, the best to ever do it by none. So, uh, Hugo Sanchez with an all-time club career, no doubt. Hugo Sanchez with one less record for his trophy case. All right, more from Europe. Orbelin Pineda with the game-winning assist for AK Athens in a 1-0 victory over Giannina in the Greek Super League. Yeah, here's a player who needs to, he's doing well at the club level, but much like Santi Jimenez needs to translate, translate that or parlay it into better performances at the national team level. Again, showing up on the score sheet, this time with an assist for Athens. 
AK going to play Brighton in Europa League action on Thursday. To France, big game was Monaco against PSG. PSG rolled 5-2, but Valerian Balogun got on the score sheet here in the 75th minute, Herc. And he needed that. It's the first goal in five games for Fuller and Balogun. He needed that confidence. Uh, didn't do so well with the U.S. men's national team in his FIFA fixture window, but always good to get back on the score sheet. Four goals, one assist in 10 league games for Monaco. To the Netherlands, PSV, 3-0 winners over Twente. Malik Tillman with an assist on this Johan Bakayoko goal. By Bakayoko goal, but look at this assist right here, look. Doesn't even look up, a no-look pass in stride, 1v1. It's a good finish, but that pass is sexy. Tillman, five goals and two assists in nine league appearances, mostly off the bench. To the Premier League, Fulham, 3-2 winners over Wolves on Monday. American Anthony Robinson with an assist for Fulham. Yeah, Anthony Robinson, just so powerful up and down that left-hand side, always gets forward. Maybe not the most precise player in the final third, but gets the job done. Fulham with Raul Jimenez and Tim Ream in the starting 11 get the three points. Three points that moves them up to 14th in the Premier League. Anthony Robinson with the assist for Fulham to Alex Awobi. Major League Soccer playoffs this weekend. Hurt the conference semifinal round. We'll start in the East. Orlando hosting Columbus. 0-0 in the second half. Orlando going down to 10 men here. Rodrigo Schlegel with his second yellow. Oh, uh, what's he doing? I don't think he was getting there. I don't think Gucci was getting there. It's a long, hopeful ball. Look at this. In behind him, sorry. Gucci ball right there. He's not getting there. Pulls him down. Ah, uh, he's going to want that one back. Schlegel, you remember the playoff hero a few years ago when he played goalie in a shootout. Different story this time around. First minutes of extra time after his finished regulation 0-0. Christian Ramirez, 1-0. Yeah, Orlando, man down, trying to play it out of the back, get their pocket picked, and then uh, Ramirez right there to clean it up. And Columbus gonna get a second. Clinching things here, Cucho Hernandez from distance. Yeah, never in doubt, Galesa comes out. Cucho Hernandez, who's been red hot, just uh, very nice and clean. Passes Galese, no man's land, and nobody beats from half field, scores the goal. Orlando, my pick to get out of the Eastern Conference. They are out. Elsewhere in the East, Philly versus FC Cincinnati. This one, the everybody knows everybody bowl. The uh, Cincinnati GM and coach, of course, ex-Union. Just the one goal in this one. It came in stoppage time. Yerson Mosqueda, the finish to make it one nothing Cincinnati. But wait, Ian Murphy here appears to be offside, Herc. Yeah, the eye test will tell you that it's offside. I mean, there's no going about it. From the angles we have that we were provided, this looks like it's 100% offside, and Philly should feel very hard done. The goal stands. FC Cincinnati, your Supporter Shield winners, advance, and Philly are out. All right, Herc, so Orlando and Philly out of the Eastern Conference playoffs. Which team do you think missed out on the bigger opportunity? Uh... It's going to be Philly, because Philly's been that team for the longest of time mm. under Jim Curtin that's always been knocking on that door. That's been just waiting to finally get their trophy. Uh, whether it's MLS Cup or the U.S. Open Cup, it's a team that's there that's not been able to get over that hump. So here you have a coach that you know because you pretty much groomed him uh, with the GM that they have, who you pretty much groomed as well, and a team in a style that you know very well, and you had your chances to go up against them and to beat them. And here it is in stoppage time and you get beat this way. 
you should feel very hard done, especially with the way things transpired. I don't care what they say. I don't care if Major League Soccer and pro referees tell us that there are different VAR images that only available to the referees. That is garbage. Whatever is available to the referees, show it to the general public. Show it to Jim Curtin and his players. Show it to everybody so we can say, hey, mm. nothing went on here. The call that should have been made was made. This was not offsides. It was onside, and everybody moves on. But here we are complaining about this offside call. It's an opportunity missed for Philly, and one that was mm. kind of ripped out of their own hands. Interesting. See, I think Orlando probably walks away not feeling harder done. Certainly, Philly feels more hard done here. But in terms of a wasted opportunity, I think it's got to be Orlando, Herc. And I think that's because the window for Orlando is probably going to close. They have not renewed Oscar Pareja. They've also not renewed their vice president of soccer or their technical director. So the entire infrastructure of Orlando may be gone next season. There may not be another opportunity. And I thought they were going to have a, a decent window here. To your point, I mean, Jim Curtin's been at Philly since, what, 2014? We're almost going on a decade here. Um, I think he's going to have more time to continue to try and keep this window open uh, and maybe get Philly eventually over that hump. He does have, do we, do we consider it a major turn, a major trophy? The 2020 Supporter Shield, yeah. one, one in the COVID year now. So, okay, so no major trophies in 10 years for Jim Curtin. You think he's ever going to get this team over the hump? I'm sorry, I said it again. Can I hear you? Hmm. All right, let's go to the Western Conference. Houston against Sporting Kansas City. Pick this one up in the uh, 39th minute, shall we? I believe that's when we're going to kick things off. Yeah, corner kick. Hector Herrera, the left-footed corner kick to Franco Escobar. Houston up one up. Yeah, like, what's going on here? Hector Herrera's taking left-footed corner kicks. I'm glad that you noticed and you pointed that out because last time I was thinking to myself, like, really? But here it is. Great set piece and a goal. That's how confident my man is. Chance for Sporting Kansas City to equalize just before the half. Alan Pulido misses out. Then Daniel Chaloui slams it towards the goal. Eric Viachenko, the Houston defender, saves it off the line. But Hurt, he did it with his hand. I don't know if he did it with his hand. I, like, how blurry is that right there? And I thought it was my TV. I'm glad it wasn't the only one. This angle right here looks like it's hand, but I can't tell if it hits off his thigh first. Like, it drives me nuts. Show us the VAR that the referees are looking at as well. No review recommended there uh, by VAR. Houston goes on to win by a final score of 1-0. They are through to the Western Conference Final. Later on Sunday, LAFC against Seattle. Early on, Seattle with a brilliant chance. Jordan Morris in one-on-one. -on -one. Maxime Crapeau with a big save. I mean, this would have put the game away, but this was the story of the game. Look at Maxime Crapeau, just massive paw right there. Big save. LAFC would get their goal on the half-hour mark. No surprise, it comes from Denny Bawanga. I mean, Denny Bawanga, just how decisive and crisp is this run? Directly to the heart of goal, and then look at right here. Lices it! Upper V on Stephen Fry. Seattle pushing for a late equalizer. Alex Roldan testing Crapeau, but he can't beat him. Yeah, I mean, listen, Crapeau had like six saves, and like four of them were clear-cut. So there you see uh, LAFC one nothing winners as they advance into the Western Conference Finals. Herc, what happened to your beloved Seattle Sounders? Is this the end of an era? We got no more Nicolás Lodero. Yeah, no more Nico Lodero, no more potentially uh, Raúl Ruiz Díaz, two very important players, mm -hmm. two DP players. But no, this isn't the end of an era. Look at the starting 11 that dominated LAFC in this game. Uh, Nico Lodero didn't play. 
He, neither did Rui Diaz. He didn't start in this game. Uh, you're talking about two DP players. And look at the players that have left in the past. I mean, Casey Keller left, important piece of the team. Brad Evans, important piece and captain of the team. Uh, Ozzy Alonso, uh, Obafami Martins, Clint Dempsey. The list goes on and on. This team keeps going and going and going. Their core mm. is still very young. Brian Schmetzer mm. is still mm. there. I feel with the necessary pieces, this is still going to be a team to contend with. But this was more a story of... LAFC hanging on, getting their goal, and Maximin Kripo, which was the absolute story of this game, not the end of an era. All right, big question with Rui Diaz, right? I think he's got a club option for 2024. 33 years old, been a bit injury-prone. Big decision whether they bring him back. Western final, LAFC against Houston in the East. It'll be Cincinnati against Columbus. Both those games next Saturday. Liga Mekis playing going down over the weekend. We got uh, Santos against Leon for the uh, last spot in the quarterfinals. 21 minutes in. Adonis Frias makes it 1 0 Leon. I will remind you, Santos was the worst defensive team in the league, but this is a banger. This is an absolute banger, Seb. Fidel Ambris. One of the good things he would do in the game. Not so good later, but uh, 2 0 there as Leon. Takes a convincing lead into the half. They would grow that lead early in the second half. Federico Vinas, the ex-Americanista, the goal at the near post to make it 3-0. All right, I said worst defensive team, but this is just trash defending. Three very quick goals, 48 minutes in. And Santos, they're one of the best attacking teams in the league. They still got a chance, especially when they're a man up. Exactly. Leon, go down to 10 here. Ambris sent off. So Santos maybe maybe with a pathway back into this game. What would they be able to do with a spot in Ligia on the line? 72nd minute. Alan Cervantes gonna get one back. It's three to one. This is a tricky finish. It's not that easy of a finish. Great little back heel right here. And look where he puts it. Where only he and only he can put it. 83rd minute, more from Santos. Harold Preciado, it's 3-2, game on. Oh, the Golden Boot winner on display. That's your Golden Boot winner right there, Liga Mekis, and it's game on. Stoppage time, Santos penalty shout. Preciado goes down, Herc. Listen, I'm sorry that he kicked Romero on the back of the head, but this is a penalty kick. Look at this, Romero throws himself at the ball, gets Preciado's foot right here. Look at this, that's a penalty kick, should have been called, it was not. And Santos goes home. Leon advancing by the narrowest of margins. Here's a look at your quarterfinal matchups. The 1-8 is Leon against America. The 2-7, Rayados against San Luis. Tigres Puebla, that's the three versus six. And then four against five, Chivas against Pumas. All right, time hurt for an edition of Book It here on Football Americas as we try to make our picks for who will advance in these two-leg quarterfinals, which are set to start on Wednesday night down in Mexico. Let's start, Herc, with that 3-6 matchup, one that should be uh, very near and dear to your heart, two of your former teams in Tigres and Puebla. Herc, who you got advancing from that quarterfinal? I have Tigres, the defending champions, by the way. Mm. Listen, Tigres is just uh, that team when it comes to Ligias, when it comes to a playoff format. They're tried and proven. If you think about the most dominant team in mm-hmm. the last decade, it's Tigres. I'd even go as far as to say the last 14, 15 years, they've been that team. If you think about performers 
in the playoff system, La Liga, it's Andre Pierre Gignac, their leading goal scorer, who's, uh, I believe, too shy of being the all-time leading goal scorer in the playoff format in Mexico. If you think about the all-time winningest goalkeepers in that playoff format, well, they got him too, Nahuel Guzman. They've just got the spine, they've got the playmakers, they got the player of the moment, if you will, in that type of setting. And, and Puebla's a team that... It's a very humble team. They don't have that star power. They can try to grind and work and try to defend as much as they can. But at some point, that talent takes over. And I do think Tigres is the more talented team. Herc, Andre Pierre Gignac training off to the side. If he can't go, Tigres is good enough to win without him? Yeah, because his backup was a Golden Boot winner, not last season, but the season before. He's that good of a player. Uh, he's in prime age. He's a finisher, much like... Andre Pierre Gignac, uh, Ibanez uh, is a player that's going to finish anything he has in front of him. I think they're good to go. And we've not even seen their best player from last league edition, that championship mm. run, their MVP, which is Sebastián Córdoba, who's been injured pretty much all season, finally healthy. I think a healthy Sebastián Córdoba and a uh, motivated Andre Pierre Gignac mm. or Ibanez gives them a, a shot at this title again. Puebla just uh, one loss over the last couple months, so they come in uh, hot. What about Rayados against San Luis? That's a 2-7. Herc, who do you got advancing there? You know, I'm going to the surprise here in San Luis. Not, it's not going to be a surprise for me, to be honest, because uh, a year ago, one year ago, they mm -hmm. knocked out Monterrey in the playoffs. They knocked out Monterrey in the Liguilla, playing the same brand that they play today. You know, very compact, here defensive. We go. No, in transition. And if we've learned anything from Monterrey is... They are the perennial, I will let you down. This is the richest mm. roster in all of Liga MX. Star power all over the place, yet they can't put it together. Dano Ortiz, the guy that they stole from Club America, their coach mm. has not put it together with this team. If you look at the teams, one through eight, in this Liga, the only team that they've beaten, the only team one through eight that they have beaten is Pumas, a 1-0 victory. In fact, if you go past the last 10 games that they've had, they've only beaten Pumas that are mm. in the one through eight. So this is a team right now in Monterrey that may have the star power, but when it comes to this playoff structure, or the playoff time, they can't quite put it together. All right. I'm looking at the form here. Since Rayados lost that 3 nothing to America, right? They've played four games. They're 3-0-1. They haven't conceded a single goal. So defensively, they're doing they play? Uh, quite well. Who did they well. play in those games? Santos, I mean, Querétaro, yes, Necaxa, and Pachuca. Either outside Ow, the playoffs they're not even or in the playoffs play right now. Fighting for playing, right. Um, San Luis wasn't that good, though, before the play-in. They went five straight without a win, you know, uh, at the end of the season. So neither team really, I don't think, comes in hot. What's the latest on Canales? He, he might be back for the semifinals, but probably not here for the quarterfinals. And that's, that's a he's big training. miss for Rayado. He's training, but he's been gone for quite some time. I, right. I could argue he's not been their most important player even when he's been healthy. Because if you take out the goals that he scored that are penalty kicks, how many goals has he scored? One? Yeah, and, and the, the truth is, what you say is important. When he comes back, he will be maybe at, at half fitness. Um, what can you expect to get out of him? And again, the latest reports are he won't be ready um, at least till the semifinals, so it does appear that he trained today. All right, America Leon, Herc. America Leon, tell me I don't have to sweat this one out. I don't think you have to sweat this one out. Uh, though Leon has a very favorable uh, account or set of results against America when it comes to yes. the playoff structure. Yes. That yes. said... This Leon is not the Leon of old. This Leon team under Nicolas Larcamon, their head coach, who, who's been very underwhelming, isn't the same team that be, beat LAFC in the CONCACAF Champions League 
uh, a final in that two-legged affair that, that really beat them. This team is hot and cold, but never really hot enough for you to believe in them. The way they try to defend, I don't think they can keep up with a team like America, who's the best offensive team in the league, who's going to have Diego Valdez, a potential MVP candidate, coming back from from fitness issues, Julian Quinones, who every day with America looks better, Henry Martin, who's finally fit, playing at the nine position. And you mentioned Luis Malagón when we spoke about Mexico in the A segment. Mm-hmm. This is a player that gets confident every single time uh, he's been called upon. He's even more confident. And now in Liguilla, he'll be called upon again because León has a potent attack, but they're just not good enough to defend a team like América. Yeah. I hope you're right. There's some part of me as an Americanista that's nervous here. You look at that roster on León, you got guys like Ángel Mena, you got Diente López, you got Federico Viñas, La Ley del Ex, right? We know uh, he's a former América player, a very good one. I was kind of sad to see him leave. The one concern for me here, Herc, is the time. It's been 18 days since América played Tigres. And if you remember that game, it almost felt like a little bit of a dead rubber, right? Both teams very solid. So the last real competitive game that América had was 25 days ago Fair. when they played Cholos. Fair. That, that goes like against it. you as well, though, if you're Leon. Leon's going to be playing the third game in, what, nine, ten yep. days with no Fidel yep. Ambriz, who's got, who got red carded yep. for that reckless challenge, and uh, Romero, the guy who put his head in the way of Precado's uh, uh, potential uh, goal, he's in doubt as well with a concussion. So remains to be seen if they will have those two players available for these two legs. All right, let's get to the uh, last of the four quarterfinals and probably the toughest one to pick. I don't know. Pumas against Chivas. It's four versus five. Herc, who you got? Yeah, let, let's set the scene real quick, okay? Because it doesn't matter who wins this game. Let's say America beats Leon. It's going to be a Clásico for America in the next round, mm-hmm. in the semifinal. It'll be uh, Clásico Joven versus Pumas or Clásico Nacional versus Chivas. And if you recall, and I know you do because you're Americanista, who knocked out yeah. America last, Ligia? Yeah, I'm not sized for it. I'm not sized for a, a Chivas rematch. Now, can you tell me? Can you tell me very quickly who hates Club America and coaches one of these two teams? Uh, Turco Mohamed. Turco Mohamed. So either yes. way, either Ex-America way, coach Ex-America took him to coach. a title and then was shoved out the door. It's a pick'em game right here. I will go with Pumas, but I firmly believe either team. That's the end of the road for America. It's a clásico mm. on what? that end, and I do believe. I do believe in case Monterrey, which I don't think they'll get out, but mm-hmm. in case they get out, it's another Clásico on the other end, much like we had last season. Mm-hmm. I just wonder from a Chivas perspective, like, who, who's going to get you your goals? Right. Who's, who's going who's gonna to score for you? Who's your threat even? Like, forget scoring goals, creating goals. Is it, is it Alexis Vega? Is that your best bet? I mean, if you're Victor Pumas, Guzman. you've got Chino Huerta. Uh, Alvarado. Victor Guzman is your best bet for Villajual, goals if you're I think Chivas. Alvarado is your best bet, if I'm being honest. Oh, okay. I, I like I like Pumas bets better. I like a Dineno. I like a Salvio. I like a Chino Huerta. I think those guys are more likely to produce on a day than Chivas. I wouldn't be surprised, Herc, if this is the end of Elko Panovic. You agree with me there? You think this these two games might be the end of him in Liga Mekis? Only if he wants to. I, I think he's done enough with Chivas to stay there. Listen, man, back-to-back, you know, you know, direct finishes. Last year it was top four. This year it's top six, which is a direct finish. Uh, you got to remember where Chivas was before Velko Panovic. Mm. And Chivas was a perennial ninth place finisher. They were in the play-in game. And usually in that play-in game, they would lose to Chivas. Or, sorry, excuse me, they would lose to Puebla. That's what would happen for this team. Uh, I think people forget that Velko Panovic, for as dysfunctional as things may have been or have been, he changed that the last two seasons. Yeah. 
Yeah, maybe I didn't mean it in the way that uh, Chivas would be itching to get rid of him. Right. But we know that he was linked to yeah. overseas jobs during the middle of the season, so potentially maybe some interest there. Good time to remind you that La Liga is, of course, available for you here on ESPN+. Plus. Huge, massive game uh, on Sunday. Barcelona against Atletico Madrid, two teams even on points. Atleti do have a game in hand, uh, but that should be an awesome, awesome fixture. Coverage starts just before 3 p.m. Eastern time this Sunday right here on ESPN Plus and ESPN Deportes. One last bit of news, Herc, before we get out of here. Lucho Acosta has been named MLS MVP for 2023. The 29-year-old Argentine got 60-plus percent of the vote among players, media, and technical staffs. Second place goes to LAFC's Denis Bawanga. Third place, Atlanta United's Thiago Almada. Acosta, 31. Count on goal contributions on the year. 17 goals, 14 assists as FC Cincinnati won the Supporters' Shield. Herc, are you cool with it? Lucho Acosta as the 2023 MLS MVP. How could I not be cool with it? Listen, uh, Denny Bawanga is a fantastic footballer, and he has something like almost 40 goals in all competitions, but that includes uh, the CONCACAF Champions League, that includes Leagues Cup and Major League Soccer. That's not what this is about. This is about Major League Soccer and 31 gold contributions while playing on the best team record-wise in the league while leading them from a literal worst to first. I mean, mm. you saw where they were two seasons ago. They were the worst team in Major League Soccer to this now and what they've built, what they have and who he is and how important he is to the best team in the league. It's an easy choice and it's made even more evident by the player vote in the MLS MVP voting. It's over 50%, over 50% of his peers thought he was the best player in the league. That tells me something. Usually these votes to win, to edge out, it's about a 25 to 30% vote. This is over 50%. I've got no issues with this at all. Yeah, we talked about this maybe about a month ago. We talked about some of the other candidates, Shahani Mukhtars, your Bawangas, your Christian Espinosas, all guys who had great years, but nobody like Lucho Acosta, not just statistically when it comes to MLS, but in terms of the team success, you got to give it to this guy. And Herc, as a DC United fan who is looking at this guy and thinking, oh, I, I wish he was still in black and red. Uh, it's such a good story. I don't know if you remember this. This was a player who was in Paris, very close to a dream move to PSG. It all fell apart. I know from his perspective, he blamed DC United and their front office uh, a lot for that move falling apart. He was Herc devastated. I, I've rarely seen a player react that negatively to a move falling apart. You wondered what would happen to the rest of his career. He, he ended up going to Mexico for a little while, comes back with FC Cincinnati. It's just a great story of perseverance. And I got to say this, in terms of like entertainment value, he's got to be up there at the top of the list in this league for me. He is so much fun to watch and it's glad to see him being honored. Yeah, and you mentioned Mexico, still in Mexico with Atlas. Uh, that was probably a stain, like a black guy, if you will, in his career. Mm. The way things happened and how he ended up leaving that team, you thought it was going to be downhill from there. You didn't think he was going to come back on top. And here he goes to a team like Cincinnati, especially going to a wooden spoon team like Cincinnati and really helped that team change for the better. And look what they've built today. Honestly, that, that matchup right there, Cincinnati-Columbus, the winner of that matchup pretty mm. much is MLS Cup champion for me. Wow, there it is. The hell is real derby. A uh, Ohio derby 
for the uh, Eastern spots in MLS Cup in two weeks' time. And on Thursday, we will be efforting an interview with said oh. most valuable player, Lucho Acosta. We'll see if we can uh, pull that together. Also on Thursday's show, we'll be looking back at the Liga Mekis Femenil final, second leg uh, going down right now as we speak. We'll have reaction to the first leg from the Ligia quarterfinals down in Mexico, plus a full preview, Herc, of the conference finals in Major League Soccer. He's Hercules Gomez. I'm Sebi Salazar. Thanks for watching this episode 305 of Football Americas. And we'll see you right back here on ESPN Plus Thursday night.